What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. message. Uh, Go with me to the book of John, chapter 12. It's in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going to go to chapter 12. And then you can just kind of hold that spot for just a minute. And, uh, and while, while you're there in John chapter 12, I've got a, a few things. I've got more things in my Bible that I need to situate here. There we go. I'm going to talk about heart for the house and give some more specifics. And this, some of it's kind of pre-instruction to what we're going to do at the end of the worship experience today. Uh, but, but some of it is also giving context. And so I've got a couple of things I'm going to put up on the, on the screen kind of one at a time just to make sure we're setting the tone for what Heart for the House is and why we do what we do and what today is really about. First of all, Heart for the House is for the purpose of funding and bringing the Convo Vision to life in three specific areas. The first one is our house. The second one is our region. And the third one is our world. I, th- I think that pretty much covers just about everything, Right. Our house, where God has placed us in this church, our region, where God has called and placed us in this region, and the fact that God has also called us through his commission to make an impact in the entire world. And so we realize that as a church, we are part of a so much bigger piece in the kingdom of God, the church that is operating globally today. And we get to be a part of that, but we want to do our part. Amen? We want to do our part in reaching and impacting this world for Christ Uh, Secondly, this is kind of to to give some distinction between uh, heart for the house giving and and maybe for uh, for many of you, your your regular giving, your regular tithe, things we've been talking about for the last um, three or four weeks. But tithe and offering are different. Tithe, that first 10% of your income, provides for basic operation of the church, where your offering or a heart for the house is what provides for the expansion of the church and the church's vision. We determine, some people people do this, like this is all the things we're going to do. And then we give towards that. This is kind of what I like to do because I don't, I don't uh, assume to know everything that's going to happen. I just know the things that God puts on our hearts, the things that he opens up potential doors of opportunity. And then we say, these are some areas where we would like to have impact. Let's see what happens when we give and then what God opens up the door for us. To do. So these are, these are some of the general things, general things that we would like to do in 2021. And we'll see what God does. First, it has to do with the heart for, for this house. We are a two-year-old church and counting. And so there are, in the, in the stages of our early church, there are things that we want to do that's going to give us the ability to grow and to increase in who we are and how we do what we do. These are some things that we would like to do this year. We would like to add staff and full-time pastors so that we can increase our ministry impact. Equip more. Uh, if, you, if you aren't familiar with what the Bible teaches about pastors, pastors are not the people that do all the things in the church. I mean, in America, that happens a lot. But in the Bible, what the pastors are actually supposed to do is equip everyone else to do the work of the ministry. That's actually the job of pastors. Anyway, uh, facility and equipment improvements and expansion. We just want to do what we do with excellence. And we want to, this year, we really want to start investing into outside voices that we want to bring in to speak into the vision and the culture of our church. 
And so we really want to be able to provide for guest ministry for greater impact and discipleship at our church and the ability to say go when God says do something in our house. I think that's so important. And not to live backwards like we want to do this. All right, so let's start saving up for this so that a year or two from now we can actually do what God said do right now. No, we want to be ready to be able to respond when God says go. Amen. Uh, Heart for this region. We want to increase our ability for greater impact to social justice in northern Nevada. And for us, that really means because we have strategic partnerships that we have with organizations in our region who are doing the things that are on our heart to do. We would love to be able to fund even in greater ways, support uh, Awaken, Eddie House. And here's, here's kind of a new one I'm really excited. Well, I'm not even going to tell you much today. You're just going to have to wait until January. Um, introducing Casa de Vida. But what they do is they work with teenage young women who are pregnant or who have had a baby, and they give them the resources that they need so that they can be successful moms. Uh, it's Guys, I'm telling you, we had some team members go and do a tour recently and, and see uh, how they do what they do, and that's something that we're really excited to be a part of. Uh, but you'll have to wait and hear more about that in January. Uh, and also, again, we want this is consistent throughout. We want to have the financial ability to go when God says go and do something in our region. And a heart for this world. We're going to continue our generous support and development of our partnership with Children's Cup. Uh, the ability to sow into strategic church plants in our nation. For us, we really have a heart for the western part of our nation. People need Jesus all over our country. Uh, but did you know that the western part of the United States is the third biggest mission field on our planet? It's crazy. You need to think about that. The, um, and so in, in church planting, listen, we are a church plant. And when we were first starting, it was always a blessing when somebody from the outside would be like, hey, you know, here's a couple hundred bucks. God just puts you on our hearts. We're like, thank you so much. You don't know how much that means. But in a church planting world, I'm just going to tell you, a couple hundred bucks isn't going to go very far. So for us, we want to be able to sow into strategic church plants as God leads us with generosity where the church planters are going to say, we wanted to do something. We didn't know how we were going to do it, and this enables us to do it. That's what we want to be able to do. And so we want to be generous, and we're going to let generosity flow through our church. You need to do what God put on your heart to do. And how do you know if it was God? If it challenges you, it's a good chance it's God. If it doesn't challenge you, then just pray about it. And then just be obedient. It's really that simple, isn't it? To do what you feel like God's impressed and challenged you to do, and then simply take that step of faith. And um, whether lots come in, whether whatever comes in, God knows what he's going to do with it, and we're not concerned about that. And, uh, and it's going to be fantastic. But listen, we also need to realize that when it comes to us giving sacrificially, it's not about equal giving. Because I, I know what me and my wife are, are going to be sowing in a heart for the house. And man, we can feel it. And, and the, same, the same faith that it's taking for us to give the way we're going to give this year was the same faith that it took for us to give years ago when we were first married and, and, and decided we were going to give something extra that wasn't even close to what we're giving today. Like, it still takes the same courage. So it's, it's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. It's, it's equal obedience. And so let that be, let that kind of rest on you and rest in your heart, and, and, uh, and I hope you're ready to, to get something from the Lord. So are right, you with John chapter 12? I gave you a couple minutes to get there, to look it up, to download the YouVersion Bible app if you need to. We'll have it up on the screens uh, behind me. So I'm reading this from the, the Passion Translation. And actually, if you're taking notes, the title of the message today is The Power of Extravagant Waste extravagant waste. All right, so check this out. John chapter 12, 
Uh, Jesus is with his disciples. And it says, six days before the Passover began, Jesus went back to Bethany, the town where he raised Lazarus from the dead. He's probably pretty popular in that area. They had prepared a supper for Jesus. Uh, if you're not from the south, supper is also dinner. But apparently the translation here, they're from the south anyway. Uh, Martha served, and Lazarus and Mary were among those at the table. Mary picked up an alabaster jar filled with nearly a liter of extremely rare and costly perfume, the purest extract of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet. Then she wiped them dry with her long hair. Other translations say that she was actually weeping at the exact same time. It says, and the fragrance of the costly oil filled the house. But Judas, the locksmith, John's trying to make sure that there's no confusion about who he's talking about here. This is kind of funny. I'll laugh at it later. Simon's son, the betrayer. John had some stuff he needed to deal with here, I think. I think he may have had some forgiveness issues. The betrayer spoke up and said, what a waste. Somebody say, what a waste. We could have sold this perfume for a fortune and given the money to the poor. Verse 6, in fact, Judas had no heart for the poor. He only said this because he was a thief and in charge of the money case. He would steal money whenever he wanted from funds given to support Jesus' ministry. Man, John's just calling him out right there. Great day. Jesus said to Judas, leave her alone. She has saved it for the time of my burial. You will always have the poor with you, but you won't always have me. Jesus, I pray in the, the moments that we have together today, the things that are about to transpire within the next few minutes, God, Lord, I pray that no matter who we are, or where we are in the context of today, that our hearts would be opened, that our minds would be uh, open to receive what you're trying to speak to us today. God, we want to be a church. We want to be people who live like you lived and who demonstrate the heart that you demonstrated. So, Father, would you speak through what I speak today, God, and let your anointing impact every single person in this room, online, and those who hear it in the future. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen, amen. amen. Now, have you ever spent money on something that you wish you could have gotten back? Any, any late-night QVC shoppers? <laughs> the knife that cuts through shoes. I mean, you're like, I cut food, but if I ever needed to cut a shoe, I would like to have a knife that could do that. The, the, the pills that were supposed to make you like extra sexy just overnight. It's like, boom, wow, look at this. No one's ever done that. The home gym that's now like the $2,000 coat rack, right? The things that you're like, oh, man, I wish I could get that money back threw away the receipt, whatever, it's not working out. The, I think the reality is, though, and we're all guilty of this at some point, right? Everyone here, at some point in time, has, we've kind of wasted money, right? We've, we've, spent things, we've spent money on things that were like, I didn't need that, and after the fact, I didn't even want that. Anybody here suffer from significant buyer's remorse? Like, you love it until the, until the transaction takes place and you walk away, and you're like, oh, I hate this. Why did I get this? We had one of our children actually suffers with that severely. It doesn't matter what it is. It could order food at a restaurant, a new shirt, anything. But as soon as he takes it home later, like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. It's not as good. Anyway, so check this out. Here, here's just a couple of averages to throw some stuff out there. The average person, you know how averages work, right? Some are less, some are more, and that's how you get an average. 
the average person spends $1,200 a year at coffee shops. Woo! Somebody's like, not me. <laughs> a little secret, get the small size and just get coffee. That'll save you money. Um, here's a little side note. Did you know that, this is crazy, millennials are spending more on coffee than they are putting money into retirement? If you're a millennial, just make that note. You're like, I'm having caffeine withdrawals, but I also want to retire one day. Let me put it over here. <laughs> Not trying to judge anybody here. $2,300 a year is the average cost for those who smoke consistently. $2,300 a year. $5,200 a year is the average that people spend on car payments. $5,200 a year. $2,000 a year in just clothing. I'm not talking just enough to keep you clothed, but like going out. Oh, I need this shirt. I need this jacket. I need these shoes, whatever. Uh, $600 a year on gym memberships. That, I mean, right now, most of us ain't going to gyms. $5,500 a year on just random impulse purchases. $3,000 a year on average eating out in restaurants. And, that's, and we were like, oh, I just, I wish I had money to do something. Oh, I wish, I wish if I had a better job, I would have more money so that I could, you know, do something with the money that I have. Where on average, in our country, we have a lot more than we think we have. A lot more than we think we have. And, and here, here's another side note, too. If, if you're on a budget, when you eat out, on average, you spend 300% more than it would cost to eat the exact same thing at home. I'm just... Y'all need to say amen. I'm just coaching some of y'all this morning financially. I'm giving you. But, but there are things in life that you spend money on that maybe other people look at it and they think that's a waste. But to you, you're like, uh-uh, it is not a waste at all. This means something to me. For example, in 1999, I met this smoking hot, beautiful woman. It's 99. Beyond compare. Personality to match it. Voice like an angel. Her smile lights up the room. I listen for her laugh on the podcast. Heart and passion for people is completely unmatched. And it didn't take me long to realize that I wanted to put a ring on it. So we were, but here's the thing. We were at Bible college and I was broke. I was poor. I had no money whatsoever. And for those of you who don't know, a lot of what happens at Bible college, people get married. Some people are like, I don't have many options. What do you do? Go to Bible college. You'll figure something out. There are people there that are looking for ministry partners for life. Go for it. You know, you'll find. And, so, and so we did. And I knew I wanted to marry this woman. And, and I wanted a ring on her finger that was worthy of who she was to me. Now, with all the other people who were getting engaged, I would look at some of the rings they were purchasing now, guys, if this describes you, please don't be offended. This is part of my story. Let me tell my story. And they would get these rings, and I would look at them, and I'm like, did you get that out of like a gumball machine? Or what's that, little, what's that little fleck of something on top of that ring? They're like, that's a diamond. I'm like, that's no diamond, man. What are you doing? Do you love this woman? And they would say things like, I can't, a ring is not going to fully express how much she means to me. I'm like, well, you could try. You could at least try. And so I went out, and so you got to understand, for me, this was 20 years ago, and January will be our 20th anniversary. 20 years ago, I went out on credit, which I barely had, and got what I thought was the biggest 
Bible college engagement ring that I had ever seen in my life. It cost me $1,200. And I know they say it should be like, you know, two months worth of salary. For me, that felt like two years of salary. I'm like, where am I going to... Where am I going to come up with, uh, well, I'll figure it out. You know, in worst case scenario, we, we run from the creditors, but she knows I love her, and it's going to be fantastic. <laughs> but, but I realized at that point, listen, this is, how could I, how could I skimp on, on someone? This is one out of seven plus billion people on this planet. And God said, here you go. Out of everything I've created, this is the one that I have created for you. So how in the world could I withhold a generous expression of my love and my passion for this woman that when I was growing up in Virginia, she's growing up on the West Coast? What did God have to do to bring us together? So I wasn't about to put some little fleck of something on her finger or a little something to say, here's a little IOU for the future when I graduate from Bible college and we make it big. It hasn't happened yet. And so, so here's the beautiful thing. Like for, for other people, I had guys telling me, man, you know, they were way more spiritual than me. You know, the money you're spending on that ring, you could have gotten something smaller and, and maybe y'all would have been able to go on a mission trip. This is Bible college. This is how they talk there. These are the things that matter to them. And uh, so I'm like, listen, you can do what you're going to do. But for me, I want to make sure that my generosity of love is demonstrated on that finger. And all the ladies said, and all the guys said, I'm writing down. I'm listening. Anyway. But here, here's the funny thing. It's that generosity is really relative to the season that you're in. If I were, I mean, 20 years ago, if I were to look at the ring that I got her then in the context of where we are now, I would feel like I was putting a little, a little fleck of something on her finger. But we got 10 years into our marriage, and I'm like, baby, I got to do better. I was like, you're getting an upgrade. And she got herself an upgrade. And you know what? There's going to be more upgrades that come in the future. That's, a, that's an IOU. But that's coming. <laughs> it's coming. Because I want to continue to show my gratitude to my wife because my love for her continues to grow. And as my love for her continues to grow, my expression of love to her needs to continue to grow. And if that ring was a waste, if it was an extravagant waste, then how much more were the hours and hours that we would just sit together in the library pretending to do homework, but I was telling you stories of growing up on Papa's farm going fishing, and, and you were just like, yeah, wow, that sounds fantastic. You had to be there, it was really romantic. seem to work out. You know, the hours talking on phones, landlines connected to homes with cords, handwritten letters, which I don't know how you ever could read because I can't write legibly, flowers, Valentine chocolates that I later figured out you don't actually like those. But it's, it, it was extravagant, at least I thought it was at the time. How much more extravagantly should we demonstrate the gratitude and the love that we have to our Heavenly Father who's given us so much more. Man, God, John 3, 16, football, you know, poster board. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. God's given us absolutely anything. But listen, generosity is never wasted when it comes from a place of gratitude. It's never wasted. 
And somebody else might look at what you're doing and think, wow, that's crazy. You could have you paid down debt. You could have put that into retirement. You could have bought somebody something. You could have upgraded this. You could have upgraded that. And to you, you're saying, no, I, I couldn't have put this in any better place because I'm going to have gratitude for what God's done in my life. And through that gratitude, I'm going to demonstrate generosity. So, so let's transition over to this story that we read in John chapter 12, this account of Jesus with his disciples. Jesus finds himself at a house party. And if you're against parties, you need to know Jesus likes to party. And he constantly found himself partying with people that most religious people didn't want to party with. Be with the people that he was trying to reach. And he always was celebrating with those who were impacted by his ministry. And more times than not, they were the same people that were at odds with those who consider themselves to be religious and righteous. So he's at this party. He's celebrating with people. And out of nowhere, um, this woman comes up and takes this, this bottle of expensive perfume, which is worth a year's wage. Right now in our country, the average would be about $65,000. And begin to pour it in a liter. A liter. How many, how many cups in a liter? Divide that by 12. That's a lot. So you got to understand the smell of pouring out this perfume as a generous offering to Jesus. It would have, I mean, it would have been out of control. Some of y'all's allergies would have been going insane. You've been, I got to go. This smells good, but I got to go. No, this woman was not afraid to give something that cost her greatly to Jesus as an act of worship because of the gratitude that she had for him. And John, again, poor John, dealing with unforgiveness, calling out Judas, saying it like it is. This thief, you know, the one who's a locksmith, you know, the one who's Simon's son, the betrayer. <laughs> I'm sorry, you got to find, if you, if you just read through Scripture, to check off reading through Scripture, you miss so much. Like, there is so much drama and comedy and other details that if you just, if you read in between the lines, there's a lot of good stuff to say. But Jesus told Judas, he said, hey, leave her alone, because what she's doing, she's actually preparing me for my burial. She didn't realize that she was doing that. She didn't realize that the gift that she was giving, which think about this, like what we give today is going to be tangible and will be used to give something else. But what she was doing, she was taking something that was so valuable and literally just pouring it out on his feet and on the ground around him. Nobody, it doesn't say somebody came up behind her later with a, a wet, dry vac and was trying to suck that back up. Maybe we can use some of this again. This is still good. No, this was out there. It was gone. So she didn't realize that what she was giving was being given to prepare Jesus to give something that was going to be far greater than even what she gave. Sometimes we hold back in our generosity because we compare what we think our generosity is in comparison to what somebody else may be able to do. And we actually withhold what we have because we don't think it's as valuable as what somebody else has. She didn't realize that what she was actually doing would be a gift given that would prepare salvation for an entire, for all humanity. Like it was all part of, it was, a, it was an investment, a down payment, if you will, on the salvation of humanity. <clears throat> All Mary knew was gratitude. Mary didn't, she didn't think about the value. She didn't think about what I'm not going to be able to do if I give this to Jesus. She didn't think, wow, this is something that's actually, that would have been a status symbol. What she had would have been a status symbol in her culture to be able to say, yeah, I put a little, little, little bit of this right here, a little bit of this right here, maybe a little here. 
And uh, this is going to last me for a while, but you know, even if it doesn't, $65,000, no big deal. I'll just go get some more. And it was a status symbol. I don't know what we would compare that to today. But it was something that was valuable, and everyone else knew that it was valuable. But all she knew was gratitude. All Mary knew was that Jesus deserved the very best for all that Jesus had done. But you got to understand the context. You got to understand why Mary was so grateful to Jesus. If you go back one chapter, John chapter 11, you see exactly why she was so grateful because she had a brother named Lazarus. And Lazarus, in this story, in chapter 12, he's chilling at the table. He's alive and well, but one chapter before, he was not at the table. As a matter of fact, it says that he was sick and he was dying, and Mary and Martha sent for Jesus to come because he was dying. And you know what's kind of weird about that whole story? Jesus didn't come when she asked because Lazarus passed away. Lazarus, spoiler alert, if you go back, Lazarus died. Lazarus did not survive chapter 11, at least the first part. And the reason, how, how many times has Jesus, I'm going to put this in air quotes, not come through for you when you asked him to? How many times has Jesus been late when you thought you needed him at a specific moment in time? Can I tell you something that's going to encourage you? Hopefully, Jesus is never late. And he's also never early. He comes exactly when he knows that you need him to be there. And oftentimes we think it's late because God's trying to develop something in us that won't be developed if he answers every prayer that we pray, the moment that we pray it, and in the way in which we pray it. But God's like, if I do that, you might feel better in the moment, but it won't develop you for what I have for you in the future. And so even in this situation, Jesus was late in responding to Lazarus and responding to his sisters. And by the time Jesus actually showed up, he had been dead for four days. So hey, if it's me and there's a close friend I'm like, hey, so-and-so's dying, will you come? I'm putting down everything. I'm getting in the car and I'm going where I need to go. Jesus was like, all right, we'll, uh, we'll get to it. It'll, it'll be fine. And eventually, as they're going, the disciples are even kind of troubled at the slow pace in which Jesus is moving. And eventually, Jesus just has to speak plainly to him. And he has to say, listen, he's just sleeping. Well, if he's sleeping, then why is it? Okay, you guys, uh, he's dead. Lazarus is dead, but it is for your better and for my glory because you're going to see something that before you wouldn't have seen. So Jesus shows up. And eventually, yep, raises him from the dead. We're just going to say it like it's no big deal. Raise him from the dead. And then in chapter later, they're having a dinner to honor Jesus. Why? I think they felt like he was worthy of honor. And they wanted, they're like, we got to do something. Let's call everybody in. We're going to throw a party. What was, a, what was a, a morning time where everybody was coming to cry and to wail and to grieve and to feel sorry for each other is now a time of celebration of life filled with goodness, filled with purpose, filled with potential. Why? Because Jesus showed up in the right time. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. That wasn't on here. But I want to I want to tell you about the power of extravagant waste. <clears throat> Mary's Mary's extravagant waste pouring that that perfume all over Jesus and weeping with gratitude. She wasn't sad in this moment. She was happy. She was she was so joyful. So have you ever cried happy tears? Have you ever cried tears of joy because you were just overwhelmed with what was happening in your life, something that God did or something in a relationship? So she's just weeping with gratitude, pouring this expensive oil, wiping it up with her hair, making a scene with her generosity, preparing him, putting a deposit down for the redemption of the world. 
And so I think the question that we need to ask today is what will your generosity prepare the way for? Like, well, I mean, my, this is what God's put on my heart and I don't, it's, I mean, probably for somebody it's not that big a deal. Well, it's, it's a big deal for you. What is your generosity going to prepare the way for in somebody else? And again, this is not going to be about comparing amounts. This is not going to be about equal giving. It's going to be about equal sacrifice. Maybe you've looked at others' generosity in the past, and you're like, oh, what a waste. I could, you know what I could have done with that? I was talking to somebody recently who was explaining the, the concept of giving and generosity to a friend, and that friend was blown away like, you, wait, you, you give away that much money? What, are you crazy? And it's the difference between having a, a kingdom view of finances versus having a, a non-kingdom view of finances. Because in a non-kingdom view of finances, you just want to work to make what you need to get by. And even if you have a heart to help people, you're struggling to help people because what you're doing is barely enough for you. Save, hoard, and cut spending. It's like this, this weird view on finances. But in the kingdom of God, Jesus says like everything else, it's backwards. If you want to be first, be last. If you want to increase, then decrease. If you want to, if you want to uh, receive, then you need to start to give. If you want to be blessed, then you need to surrender. Like all these things in the kingdom of God, if, if you want to be saved, if you want your life, then you need to lay it down. And so all these things in the kingdom of God work completely opposite for how things work in the world. And they were like, hey, if you want it, then, then, then don't work 40 hours a week. Work 60 hours a week. Work 70 hours a week. Work hard. Save, save, save. Hoard, hoard, hoard. Don't spend. Don't give. Don't be generous. Be stingy because you're saving for yourself because you have goals. God says, no, nah, give it all away. Give it all away and watch what happens. The power of extravagant waste is that we put our gift that cost us something into the hands of God who can do so much more with it than we ever could. A gift that could have fed the poor for a year turned into a gift to prepare the Savior for an act that would bring salvation to the entire world for all eternity. You can't even put a price on that, a year's salary of what she poured on Jesus' feet. So here, here's the thing. This is where I want to I confront this, and baby, you can come up. And in just a moment, we're going to get ready to... Uh, we're going to get ready to... Um, do communion and, and have our heart for the house moment here. And I'll give you all the instructions. You don't need to worry about it. <clears throat> but maybe you, you look at Mary, you're like, okay. It's, it's much easier to understand the context of why she gave so generously because her brother died and Jesus brought her brother back to life. And that's a big deal. I think if Jesus brought somebody that I loved who had passed away back to life, I would probably be just over-the-top gracious and, and, and grateful and generous just like that. But maybe you haven't asked yourself the question recently, what, is, what has God done for me? Have you taken inventory in your own life about the things that God has done for you? What would you give God if he raised someone that you love from the dead? What if, what if God raised you from the dead? Would that be enough? Would that be enough for you to give undying devotion and passion and gratitude every single day, waking, waking up every single day, realizing that today is a day that is a gift from God because I, I was dead, but God raised me back to life. You're like, that'd be incredible. I, yeah, I can, I can see that. Well, what if I told you he already did? What if I told you you are 
if you've accepted Christ, that you are living a resurrected life currently. All right, let me, let me show you. I don't have to convince you. Just let me show you what the Bible says here in Ephesians chapter 2. Starting in verse 1, it says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. This is all of us, by the way. This isn't God singling out one or two individuals. This is, this is humanity. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander, the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live this way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, somebody say, but God, Whenever that pops up in scripture, that, that you need to pay attention to that because something is about to follow that's gonna change everything. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ, and check this out, and he seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So check this out. If you have accepted Christ into your life to be the Lord and the Savior of your life, you have experienced a resurrection. You, are, you used to be dead, and God raised you to new life. And the thing that I love is that God didn't just raise up your old sorry life. He gave you a brand new one. You are born again, brand new in Christ with a new identity, with a new name, with a new, a new understanding of who you are and why you're even here. You have experienced this same opportunity that Mary experienced when she was able to receive her brother that she loved back to her because he was as good as dead. He was dead and Jesus spoke life and brought him back. How many of us can say, I'm gonna be the first one to raise my hand. I was as good as dead. In my sin, I was gone. In my sin, I was dead. But Jesus, so rich in mercy, so rich in love, so rich in grace, so rich in second chances, and second chances, and second chances, that even though we deserved his anger, he poured out his love. We have the same testimony that Mary has. And I wonder today as we prepare to sow into heart for the house and we prepare to take communion together to celebrate the end of our 21 days of prayer and fasting, I wonder how we are about to demonstrate that gratitude and what our gratitude is going to do in our house, in our region, and in our world. Thank you again for joining us on the Combo Church Podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Combo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ComboChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.